This story is brought to your ears by all our fantastic supporters on Patreon. To get in on the action yourself with bloopers, extras, and the occasional early story, join us at patreon.com slash voiceofallmtg. We'd like to thank our newest patron, Travis Wood, for already donating. For more stories, or just a chat, visit voiceofallmtg.com. And now, Voice of All presents... At Any Cost. Episode 13 of the Battle for Zendikar. Obnixilus is having a bad day. Things had been going so well. He'd seized the power of the relocated Kalni Heart, and with it forged a connection to the raw mana of Zendikar. He was finally ready to tap into Zendikar's Hedron network and restore his Planeswalker spark. And then disaster struck, in the form of the elf planeswalker Nyssa Ravain. Nyssa took Kalni Hart from the demon would-be planeswalker, repaired her own connection with Zendikar, and collapsed tons of rock and soil on him. It was a setback, but Ab Nixilis had not gotten this far by giving up. Pain. A modest upgrade to the oblivion I had been expecting. It could only mean one thing. She left me alive. I laughed. Nothing else to do, really. My body was broken in a dozen places by the collapse of the cavern, and I was thoroughly pinned in place. The act of laughing sent waves of radiant agony throughout my body, and I used the pain to diagnose my injuries. They were severe, but I would heal. I was breathing. That was nice. Shallow, pained breaths, with stone and sand pressing down on me from above, but I was clearly getting enough fresh air to keep me conscious. That implied that I wasn't far from the surface, or perhaps I was just near enough to an air pocket that would run out soon. None of the options were terribly good, but I was alive. Defeat, if you survive it, should mean time for reflection. Unearned arrogance has been the death of countless would-be warlords. After all, how many did I cut down for their hubris over the millennia? Here, buried alive, on the heels of a crushing loss, I decided I would take the opportunity I'd been given. It had been a very good plan. Synchronize a hedron network with Colony Heart, and use it to channel enough planar energy through my body to reignite my spark. There had been a decent chance it would have killed me, yes, but I was well past that being a concern by now. And yes, I knew that as of some decades ago, being a planeswalker didn't mean what it used to. So much the better, really. The idea that there were countless planes out there that had lost their godlike protectors and champions. Imagine the chaos that the Mending had wrought on the multiverse. Chaos like that needs to be quelled. Chaos like that needs to be brought to heal, and I am the perfect person for the task. The plan was good, but the plan had failed. The idea that some planeswalker other than Nahiri would actually want to save this horrible plane had not really factored highly into my thought process. I had contingencies in place for her, 
but I admit I wasn't prepared for an insane Jiraga who could draw upon the heart of a dying world, showing up hours before my ritual would have been complete, upending a century's worth of work, and burying me alive. I was annoyed. There was a bigger problem, and it was that all of my troops were in one valley, so to speak. I didn't know how long Zendikar had before the Aldrazi would finish destroying the plane, and even accounting for what I had learned, I didn't have another half-century to recreate my work. At the rate things were progressing, the plane would be irreparably broken within the year, not to mention that there wasn't another power source like Colony Heart left on the plane. Well, there was one, but even I wasn't that desperate. Not yet. I ran down my options. Option 1. I tried to replicate my work. Complication? The Aldrazi will almost certainly destroy the plane, with me on it long before I succeed. Maybe I get extraordinarily lucky and stumble upon another power source, but only fools plan on luck, and I didn't intend to start now. Option 2. I go after the elf and take the heart back. Complication? Taking on a planeswalker in my current state seemed like pretty poor odds, especially one who has Kali Heart at her disposal. Especially one who has already handed me a defeat when I was at full strength. Option 3. Team up with a greater power. It's never been my first choice, but sometimes it's the only way. I had studied the Aldrazi almost as thoroughly as I had studied the Hedrons. While they couldn't be bargained with, they had shown themselves willing to work through allies. Old Kalitas learned that the hard way, and I would certainly relish helping them bring this world to ashes and end. But then what? They have no sense of gratitude, no sense of fearness. The idea that they would reward me in any way would be impossibly alien to them. A Fyrrhic victory is merely the most palatable kind of defeat. Time. I needed more time. The solution hit me and I laughed again. Uproarious, oblivious to the pain. I laughed until I wept molten tears. After all these centuries, nothing amuses me like irony. There was exactly one way that I could buy myself enough time to recreate my work. I was going to have to save Zendikar. First things first. Buried alive. I wasn't sure precisely how much time had passed. I was far from healed, but when you're counting down to the end of the world, you can cut corners sometimes. I reached out to the area around me and attempted to extinguish the nearby life, drawing the energy for myself. A simple feat of magic and somewhat of my specialty. But when I reached out, nothing. I was buried in Balagged, a place stripped of all life by Ulamog. There wasn't even an insect, a worm, a blade of grass to drain for strength. This time I found the irony less amusing. I struggled for what must have been hours before I finally managed to shift the stones above me. While doing so, I imagined a thousand pleasing ways to end the elf's miserable existence. The entire process of escape took days, a handful of their ideas held promise. From there, the next step was to evacuate what I could of my Hedron network. Even with a bare handful of Hedrons, I could effectively construct a ley line compass. 
something that would give me a sense of the distribution of energy on what was left of the plane. If there was going to be a defense of Zendikar, the Juraga would be at the center of it, drawing on the power of Kalihart. And that was something I could track. The work was slow, and it gave me plenty of time to think. Ulamog's spawn were unrelenting, unthinking force, and the various monstrosities that commanded them wielded sheer power of the sort that I had really seen. Still, it was the unthinking aspect of their nature that provided opportunity. All it would take would be a properly coordinated force of sufficient might and an insufficient sense of self-preservation to give me an opportunity to strike at the head. I was sure the Zendikari were busy scrounging up such a force, even if I had no intention of leading it. The Titans had been trapped for a very long time, and they could be contained again. I didn't need them destroyed, or even permanently incapacitated. Quite the contrary. I was more than pleased to give the monsters the feast they deserved. I just didn't intend to be a course. I had spent quite some time deciphering exactly what Nehiri had done to me, and now I was going to do the same thing to Ulamog, use a Hedron to bind an extraplanar threat, and save Zendikar. I wondered if Nehiri would be pleased or disgusted that I was the one doing her work for her now. I found both options hilarious. I clawed through the dust for more than a day before I found what I was looking for. A Hedron no larger than my head, intricately carved and alive with power. It was the keystone in the Hedron network I had created, just the thing to use to bind Ulamog and diminish its power. I looked upon it again with some amount of awe. There was no room in my loathing of Nahiri to admire her genius, to create something of such power and contain that power in an object that could survive for millennia or more. If Nahiri had not returned to help forestall Zendikar's destruction, it almost certainly meant she was dead. It made me a little sad, truly, that I would never get the chance to face her again. Well, that had been enough sentiment to last me another decade, or, more likely, for the rest of my life. I ran a pulse of magic through the two of the larger hedrons in my network, and they floated above the sand, turning themselves slowly until they found alignment. From there, I activated the keystone and moved it slowly around the pier, feeling the push and pull of energy from the stones. Lithomancy was a subtle art, and though I knew I had only scratched the surface of it, it still offered me a versatility of magic that I had not known before. The basic function of a hedron is to redirect energy, but that simple function can be used to empower, summon, imprison, or destroy. An image of weight, of gravity and distance, played out in my mind and body, as I strained to make sense of it. The location of the elf was easy enough to divine. Empowered by the heart, she stood out like the sun. But there was something else, a channeling of mana that seemed to be both abhorrent and familiar. They were close together, whatever it was. It was likely where the Zendikari would make their last stand. Tazim. Seagate, if memory served. A lovely place for a slaughter. I unfurled my wings. Marvelous things, really. And I hadn't made much use of them. They made travel slightly more bearable and made moving between Zendikar's continents much less of a chore. The skies offered a taste of freedom, but also served as a bitter reminder of what I had lost. The freedom of the skies is a vanishing mote of dust 
in the face of the freedom that the multiverse once offered me. On the other hand, you don't see a lot of demons on boats, and it turns out there are some very good reasons for that. I flew along the coasts, preferring to avoid flying over open water, except as needed to reach Tazim. The skies were largely devoid of life. With a keen eye, you could pick out some of Ulamog's floating spawn, but they were uninterested in me, and I in them. Birds were rare. Angels, thankfully, were all but gone. When the Eldrazi rose, the angels fought. Adorable, really. Not awful tacticians, if I'm being fair. But they labored under the misconception that it was a battle that they could win. The angels fought, and mostly, they died. Very rarely you'd see one of Emrakul's lone spawn floating about, doing whatever her spawn do. But for the most part, the skies were mine. An open sky, a bright sun shining down on me, peaceful clouds drifting in the wind, and I felt them all as an oppressive weight, a confinement. That distant horizon was a claustrophobic nightmare. But soon that horizon would be gone, and one way or another, so would I. As I covered the miles on my approach to Seagate, it was clear that I was heading to the right place. On one side there were endless wastes. Ulamog himself had carved a path to this place, leaving silence and dust in his wake. On the other, a ragged supply caravan wound its way through Tazim. Refugees and fighters, though you couldn't really tell the difference between them, were swarming to the wall. The last stand of Zindakar was already underway. I could hear the roar of battle from miles away. Such a beautiful thing. But it was nothing compared to what I saw when I crested the wall. Armies clashing, Spawn and Zedakari slaughtered by the thousands, and rising above it all, Ulamog, trapped in an enormous Hedron network. I needed a moment to take it all in. I couldn't keep the grin off my face. The network was huge. The Zendikari had accomplished with brute force what had taken me decades to complete through care and subtlety. By using the giant structural hedrons, they were able to tap into the energy of the entire plane. My work with Colony Heart was essentially a scale model of what they had done. My alignment was rough and amateurish, even by my Debla's standards, but it was stable. Only a fool plans on luck, but it is a greater fool who fails to take advantage of it. Option one was back on the table. I found a good vantage point to study the network, gently displacing the core sentries who had been using it as a lookout station. The networks were straining to contain Ulamog, but the Titan was starting to weaken as well. I was impressed. The Zendikari might actually have been able to kill it. Full marks for effort and inventiveness. But it was time to add a minor wrinkle to that plan. I flew up high above the fray, Core on their kite sails spotted me at this point, but didn't engage. Their attention was focused on holding back the spawn and relaying information to the battle below. The Keystone Hedron trailed behind me, and it was beginning to react to the network's incredible energy. Its runes glowed with a violent light, overwhelmed by the leyline flow. I willed it into place, locked into a harmonic point above the ring's precise center. It began to spin, a vortex of energy forming that sent a numbing electrical charge throughout my body. I faltered in the sky for a moment. My heart was pounding, and I could scarcely breathe. I had waited so long for this. So very long. 
I spoke three words. In that moment, everything began anew. The energy overwhelmed my senses. My vision flared to white and I couldn't sense my body. The power burned through me, a rushing torrent of agony and perfection, and deep within my core, first as a glimmer, and then as a blazing flame. My spark, my spark returned. The multiverse stretched out before me once more. I could feel the worlds, countless worlds, familiar and new, splayed out in an infinite canvas of realities. I felt them as pinpricks of light, beacons of power in the distance. The dream I had for millennia was finally at hand. I could leave this terrible place. I started to fade away, away to anywhere but here. No, I wasn't done here. Not yet. I tore myself out of the mana stream, power coursing through me. A snap of my fingers and one of the structural hedrons fell out of alignment. The sheer force of the ley lines held it in place for a moment longer, but then, achingly slowly, it tumbled to the world below. There were screams of terror and disbelief. Ulamog thrashed, and the rest of the network crumbled. And down, so far down below me, I caught sight of her. The little elf. She had to know what was happening. She had to have felt it in her bones. Yes, there. She looked up to me, a look composed of shock and utter, utter despair. That was a nice start. But I was far from done. One by one I felt my connections to my old conquered worlds reappear. Not all of them, but enough. It had been so long. I let loose an enormous bolt of withering annihilation into the armies below, cutting off their retreat and forcing them back into Ulamog's path. The Zendikari were dying, hundreds each second, and I could taste each life as it was snuffed out. Crisp, juicy, and sweet. A pocket of order was forming in the ranks below. A few planeswalkers were desperately trying to organize a retreat, not that there was anywhere meaningful for them to go. Heads swimming with power, I wanted nothing more than to swoop down there and end them all. And I would, but I caught myself. Not yet. Not yet. There was one last thing I needed to do first. Deep beneath the surface, it was already beginning to stir. I whispered to it, heedless of distance. I dared not focus my mind too directly on it. Reality recoiled and splintered merely from my thoughts approaching. But the power was there. And power spoke to power. It did not have a consciousness. Not in any sense I could describe. But it had a will. And that will wanted nothing more than to be given a purpose. I laughed. I had not felt joy like this before. Not ever. No triumph, no glory was greater than this. Beings of power. Beings of power want to be called. With my spark reignited, it was the easiest thing in the world. One more word. One little word was all it took. The world shook as I said it. The doom of Zendikar was here at last. I reached out to the south and grasped it. Awakened it fully with the sheer force of my will. Mine would be the last word for this wretched place. And I shouted it from the center of my soul. RISE! Thank you for listening to this production of Voice of All. 
As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you not just for the voices of the characters, but also to keep us going and growing. If you enjoyed what you heard, please support us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, or following us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, or just plain sharing with your friends. You can also support us financially on Patreon for exclusive perks. At Any Cost was written by Nick Davidson. The podcast was produced and edited by Gin Dokeshi. This week's story featured the voice talent of Mike Whiteman. Probably the shortest this list is ever going to get, eh? Voice of All is unofficial fan content, permitted under the Wizards of the Coast fan content policy. Magic the Gathering is copyright, Wizards of the Coast. And hey, what did y'all think of our demon friend narrating? Let us know on Twitter at VoiceOfAllMTG. Have a great day, y'all.